Hello and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson and I'm joined here as always by the man who may or may not be able to tell Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence apart. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, I am doing great. Uh, is that a thing? Does someone not know who they are? It's not a thing. I just, it's just, uh, I don't know. They look similar, right? Sure. <laughs> so, Listen, Kyle, I'm doing the intros here. All right. Got to figure out something. You're good. You're good. How's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, I am. My cold has pretty much gone away. Finally, my voice is still a little bit odd, but other than that, uh, I'm pretty much normal. So that's good. 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 That's always good to hear. Yeah. The, everyone seems like they've been getting sick lately. Not just you, but I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, everyone be you know be safe. Don't you don't want to get get sick. Um, Kyle, we are here. It is the playoffs. We we made it. We made it all the way through this season. It was a somewhat confusing season. Um, we still don't really know if the Buccaneers are good, but uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's a somewhat confusing season. We made it all the way to this point, and we are in the playoffs and um, ready for Super Wild Card Weekend. You know? Super Wild Card Weekend. It's not just Wild Card Weekend, Kyle. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, I uh, just can't get enough of it. And, um, you know, it was so super that we had to add two bad teams to it just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I think there's more than two bad teams, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, this is a this is the rough one uh, to some degree, Kyle. Uh, you know, a couple of I feel like three of these games I'm very much looking forward to three of these games. Maybe not so much. You could blame the seven seed if you want to for it. Uh, but also, I mean, it's tough, right? Because one of these games is Seahawks 49ers, which has a nine and a half point spread. And then you also have two teams with backup quarterbacks playing. Although one of those teams I actually think still has a chance in this game, a little teaser for that. So, uh, you know, listen, it's playoff football. It's going to be exciting regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be exciting. But yeah, I mean, the the backup quarterback situation obviously takes a little bit of the, the steam out of it. I think there's going to be a couple duds. Yeah. But at the same time, too, it's like, Listen, we always do this, right? We always say, oh, this team can never is going to stand at you. And then they end up, you know, pulling off the upset or at least making it close. Yeah, I'm going to pick blowouts in all of these, though. So it's okay. Blowouts <laughs> in all of them? Not even a single close game? No, in the in the ones we're expecting. Oh, sure. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, okay, well, interesting. We'll talk all, you know, I, there's one I think is has sneaky uh, upset potential, maybe, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, no, it should be interesting. Let's why don't we get into it? Well, first, I have to explain our scoring system, how this is going to work. So uh, new rules here with the, uh, you know, playoffs here. We are in the uh, we, we call it the betting round. I'm not really sure why, because you're not really betting. But uh, the way it works is we have we each have 10 points that we will distribute onto each of these six games. Again, points are bad. You don't want points. So if you get the prediction wrong in that game, you get said points. So, for example, for Seahawks 49ers, if I pick the Seahawks to win and put three points on it and the 49ers win, three points are added to my score. It's 10 points this week. It'll be 15 points next week, 20 points on uh, Championship Sunday. Uh, so that's how that works. And you have to put at least one point on every single game um, just to keep things interesting. So we can start with any game. Let's start with, uh, why don't we start with Chargers-Jags? How does that sound? Yeah, we can go Chargers-Jags first. Let's do it. That's going to be, is is this is this the most interesting game of the weekend? I think so. I think, well, I think this one and Cowboys-Buccaneers are probably the two most interesting ones. Because what you want in a good playoff game, 
uh, especially on wild card. Because sometimes, sometimes you get these good games between two teams that still don't feel like they have a great chance after they win of making a lot of noise. I think the question with these two teams is, you know, after they get past this round, what can they do? What is their ceiling? I still, th- still think they have a chance. I still think they're too kind of if they get hot, anything can happen type of teams. Uh, but, you know, in the AFC, it could be tough, but it should be a really good game. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a good game. Now, they did play earlier in the season and it was a Jacksonville route, but that mm-hmm. was, I think, week two of the season or week three. And for some reason, the the Jaguars kind of came, you know, for two weeks, they were kind of out of their minds and the mm-hmm. Chargers had already started their injury stuff. So um, I don't really know if there's anything to take away from that matchup earlier in the season to this one. Um, but I do think there are some interesting things in this game. Obviously, the biggest headline is going to be Justin Herbert against Trevor Lawrence, their playoff debuts respectively. Um, and I mean, we're we're seeing this wave of the young quarterbacks now, and especially, you know, it seemed like the post Brady AFC, everyone's like, we need a quarterback now. This is our chance to t- get back in the conference conversation. Um you know, Allen and Mahomes were already in the conference, but then it was like Herbert's coming up. Then it's Trevor Lawrence is coming up. Joe Burrow's coming up. All these guys are now in the conversation. And Lamar's the only one that's basically not playing, it seems like, from this group. But this wave of young quarterbacks is exciting, and it makes a very interesting play- AFC playoff picture to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, – do, I do have to say, um, you know – Lawrence had a very good year. Like I almost feel like there's you know there's the comparison between Herbert and Lawrence. I'll start off maybe I don't, I don't think it's a hot take, but it's a take I feel needs to be said of Herbert is still significantly better than uh, where Lawrence is right now. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I think he's better. I mean, if you ask me five years from now who's better, like I think yeah. that's the interesting conversation because mm-hmm. I think I I think I, I'd listen to both sides. I still think you know Lawrence, the the best version of Trevor Lawrence can. Did we did we lose Kyle for a second? Uh, Kyle's frozen on my end. I'm assuming it's uh, it's Kyle. Let me know in the chat if that's Kyle or me because I could we can never tell. Uh, but right now it seems like we have. Oh, Kyle, you back? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. My internet just shut off. All right, gotcha. Yeah, you're just frozen for a second, but we're back. Okay, we're good. Go. Uh, you were talking about um, something about this game. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Next five years of Trevor Lawrence versus next five years of Justin Herbert's, I think, more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. If we get the best version of Trevor Lawrence, he can definitely win this game. But we haven't quite seen it as consistently as we like. And, um, you know, are we going to be able to see it in this game? Yeah, some people were saying uh, in the chat, uh, two and on got him. No, not yet. We're, we're okay for now. Uh, the Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's fascinating because, you know, you talk about the last time these two teams played. I still think there's takeaways from that game. You know, uh, while Keenan Allen wasn't there, Mike Williams was in that game. So possible that that could be kind of a flip-flop here. But still, they only have to take away one of those receivers instead of two of them, which would be, you know, a lot easier for Jacksonville. And they had no real trouble the first time doing it. Uh, you still saw some great plays from uh, Herbert in that game, kind of those you know great like, scramble throwing across his body type of plays. I almost wonder if he'll have to make a couple of those to move the ball effectively because I do kind of wonder. Uh, Jacksonville, I think, is going to cover well in this one. I don't think that the Chargers are going to get a lot open, and we've seen this Chargers offense not really get a lot going, and it really is Herbert has to sort of muscle them to 20 points sometimes. Uh, we've seen that during this season, and I worry that could happen again in this one. 
I'm a little worried too because they really shut down the Chargers' running game too, and that was a big thing. And I mean, as far as I'm aware, Slater's still not playing in this spot. So the you know the Chargers, you know, while they are kind of healthy, healthier than they've been all season, they're missing their best offensive lineman now, probably at the worst possible time. I know Sony Michelle was like still running for the team in that game, but like they just didn't run the ball well in that game, and. Could this Jacksonville front seven kind of win this game along with, like you said, it's not easy to throw in these guys too. I think this is a good coverage unit. Uh, Like you said, they're probably going to be healthy at receiver and that's going to help. But at the same time, like, can can you get enough in this spot? Because you really, I think, got to throw the ball in this game. Yeah. And the flip side is uh, I think that with the the Jaguars offense – I do kind of trust the Jaguars offense to, to score a little in this one. Uh, I think that, you know, if the Chargers come out in their quarters coverage, that could be an issue because you have Travis Etienne that you have to deal with. And it was weird where last game, if, if I remember correctly, it was actually uh, James Robinson who ha- uh, had the good statistical day more so than Etienne. But again, uh, I would fully expect you put Etienne in those snaps. He's going to have the good statistical day. Uh, that's a concern. And if you don't do that, you're leaving your door open for Doug Peterson to scheme guys open down the field. Uh, I could easily see a Christian Kirk wide open over the middle uh, type play happening in this one or two. Yeah. And so let's let's talk a little bit, too, about this situation. So I want to go quickly back to week 18. Okay. Um, did it seem like Trevor Lawrence was a little spooked by the moment there? Yeah. There was three or four t- throws that were... You know, you brought it up Sunday, and it had been mm. a little bit, so I kind of forgot some of the game, honestly, um, mm-hmm. from the Sunday sure. night show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm in such a daze because we've been watching football for like 10 hours straight. The Sunday night show, the, the fact show. that we even get through it is a miracle. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and people wonder why we get off script. It's because of that. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so it's a, uh, you know, I, I'm just looking at that game. There were like three or four horrible throws on like possible touchdowns. Like not mm-hmm. even just like, you know, simple first down plays. There was multiple touchdowns. I thought he left on the board and kept Tennessee in that game. So, you know, can we see the consistent Justin uh, Trevor Lawrence in this one? And one of the big things too, I think that's kind of significant for this chargers defense is their defense over the middle has been better of late. I think that's one of the things that's helped this defense play better towards late in the season is like, like guys like Kenneth Murray weren't really valuable they were they were you know i think it's fair to say he was just a bad football player to start this season and to start his career it seems like they're kind of fixing some of those things a little bit and that's why this defense i think has played better the last few weeks up until i would say this broncos performance in week 18 yeah uh yeah very very good stuff so i guess uh should we pick the game now uh, i forget i forget how we do it so i forget if we typically pick the game before or after on the uh playoffs but let's pick the games now why don't we uh so so i kyle you're leading or or i'm leading excuse me so i'll pick the games first so that way you can uh choose to you know if you want to go against me in certain areas you can i'm only putting one point on this game uh but i am picking the jacksonville jaguars to beat the chargers i am going jaguars 25 chargers 17 jaguars 25 chargers 17 okay i have the Jaguars winning as well. I have one point on the game, and I will go Jaguars 27, Chargers 17. So we're both expecting competitive, but pretty handedly, you know, the Jaguars handled this on pretty well. Yeah, like I could see a situation where it's close and then maybe a late touchdown kind of ices the game. I think this is going to be a pretty competitive game. I do. Um, but 
I do think Jacksonville is a little bit better. I think they're playing better football, and I'm just really worried about that Slater situation. And I could just see this being like a huge Josh Allen game, right? Like this is a game where he's he's coming up with multiple sacks, killing multiple drives with big plays, and I'm just worried about that offensive line against this defensive line for Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, the X factor, of course, is always Herbert could make a couple splash plays that could flip the the game. And again, that, like you said, with Lawrence, uh, was that just kind of a, hey, it's his first time with playoff football type atmosphere, kind of spooked him a little, and now he'll get you know, sort of his footing? Or is he going to be like this going forward? Uh, those are kind of, The quarterbacks are always X factors, but especially in a game like this, that could easily flip it. So, you know, again, we're both only putting one point on this. Neither one of us are saying that it's a, a lock. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely, I would say <laughs> there's basically three games I'm really confident in and three games I'm not confident at all in. Mm-hmm. This is definitely in the not confident category, but yeah, um, I would say like of the other two games, I would say this might be the one I'm most confident in. If I'm going to compare those closer games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, interesting. So uh, I, I think I agree actually. Um, let's move on. Why don't we let's go to l- let's talk about the Cowboys Buccaneers. Why don't we? Uh, I think should be a very fun matchup. This is the Monday night game. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Kyle. I think both offenses are going to struggle in this one. Obviously, the, you know, every matchup these teams have played before this season. We don't have a single matchup where they're playing for the first time. Uh, week one, the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys handedly 19 to three. Uh, I think that this is going to be similar in terms of, I think both offenses are going to struggle. I probably agree with that because yeah, I mean, it was 22 points in that first game. I think the thing is too, is like Tampa left some points on the board in that game because you know, what we thought was kind of a fluke week one thing turned out to be, wait, this team just doesn't have a red zone offense. Uh Um, And that was a bit of a problem. Right. Um, But I thought the telling thing from that game and I mean, I think by default it has to get better because it was so bad in that game. There was absolutely nobody open for the majority of that game, right? Like the, the the Buccaneers coverage unit, I thought probably had their best game of the year and maybe one of the best defensive games of the season just in general. As far as coverage goes, there was no windows to throw. And I mean, I didn't think Dak had a great game in that one to begin with. And then he got hurt, which besides the point, but like, there was just no windows to throw the ball. I thought that was a huge issue in that game. And I don't know how Dallas fixed that. Like, obviously, I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have a little bit of a better game. But do you trust any of these Cowboys receivers in this spot right now? Uh, not really. Yeah. And again, CeeDee Lamb, like you said, he did not get open much at all in that one. Uh, I think another issue was like, you know, you have like this Dalton Schultz, uh, but then you have Levante David covering him. So there's just, this is a bad matchup for Dallas. And I also think that, We've seen Prescott at times get flustered with good disguises. And I mean, that's all this Tampa Bay team does. Say what you want about Todd Bowles and what he's done this season with, uh, you know, the inept, uh, his ineptitude uh, to get the offense going. The defense has been great this season, uh, especially the, it's been very well coached this season with the exception of that Kansas City game, which, you know, every team has their their bad days. Uh, it's been a very good defense. And it, I think it matches up against Dallas. Well, I really think for Dallas, it might be the best idea to just run the ball a lot. But, you know, the way Tampa Bay's run defense is, it's starting to look like the old Tampa Bay run defense again, which, you know, if that's your best strategy, it might not be a great strategy to score, but it still might be the best strategy. 
Yeah, and they started to do that basically after that game, which I thought changed a lot of their offense and made Dallas mm-hmm. look a little more in sync. It was a better plan, I think, just in general, because they didn't have the horses in the passing game to really run that. This is really going to – I think this run game is really going to be big play dependent in this game. Tony Pollard is going to have to bust a few big ones in this one. Um, you know, so go ahead and clip that part out. Uh, but Tony Pollard <laughs> is going to have to have, a ch- I think, a few big plays uh, in this spot because, like, I think – Elliot can go in there and like, you know, get the dirty yards in this one, but I just don't know if it's going to be consistent enough. It's too big of a defensive uh, front line for Tampa. It's too difficult to move. We know what they do. We know what Vey does in the middle of that defense. I just think it's too tough of an ass to ask him to get 20 carries in this game and get four yards per carry. I just don't see that happening. I think it's going to be on Pollard to hit a few home runs. Yeah. Uh, the, the flip side and one thing that you mentioned also that is they actually ran the ball okay the first matchup. Uh, but again, different teams and also Tampa Bay was not expecting to run at that point, you know, since they got up uh, big relatively early. On the flip side, a couple interesting notes I have about the other game. First, let's start off with weirdly Leonard Fournette was great in that one. Like he had like six yards per uh, carry and over 100 yards in the week one matchup. So that's, uh, you know, something that's odd. I'm not expecting that to happen again. But also I think Dallas has an advantage of uh, addition by subtraction, I think. With Anthony Brown, uh, he was out there, and he got torched a good amount in that week one matchup. He is on the IR now, so uh, Dallas has covered better since he's gone down. That could be an advantage, Dallas. It could be an advantage, Dallas. But um, So did you hear all the conversations all of a sudden after this last game where I felt like one person said it, then everybody took it, like even Jason Garrett said it? And I don't think Jason Garrett notices much. Um, They're all like, well, this Dallas defense on grass is a problem. And now this has become a narrative that they're a slow team on grass. Like, I have no idea, like, the difference. I'm not, like, uh, I'm I'm not a scientist on this. I don't know exactly the Mm -hmm. ramifications. We are not grass scientists here. We are not. We are not at all. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you know, is is this an actual narrative or are this just people saying stuff? I guess is the question because you look at that game last week and you say, well, if it's that Dallas defense, definitely chuck up the L in this week. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if that, I always feel like there's usually like a reason for it's usually just like, I don't know, maybe they just play well at home and that's all the, like, I think that could pro- probably be a bigger correlation. I don't know. I don't know how much of it is. Every time I hear something like that, I always just assume that it's like just random. Yeah. You know, you, you know, like, or like there'll be somebody's like, oh, this team plays poorly at night. It's like it, they probably just happen to play poorly at night. Like, like, even the Kirk Cousins primetime stuff. Like, is there something to that? Sure. But it's probably just coincidence. Yeah, I, I think it's a uh, I think it's a little bit of coincidence. I agree. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see. But I mean, at the same time, like they didn't look good in week 18. It was it just, the, you know what? We don't really care that much. Let's just get to the playoffs. Who cares if, you know. Philadelphia, they probably saw the scoreboard. Philadelphia's up early. We'll coast, that kind of thing. Or is this a real conversation I think we need to have? I don't know. But the Dallas defense didn't play very good at the end of the season. The Dallas offense didn't play very good at the end of the season. And I think there was a time where we were really talking ourselves into this team, and then it kind of flamed out. And I don't really know what to think of this team at this point. Um, and then we've seen them play this Tampa team and look lifeless. I know it was week one, so it was a long time ago. But how does this team adjust from that week one spot? Is it run the ball more, control the clock, and try and hit some big shots against this team? I don't know exactly how that's going to look. 
Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you don't have to say the Cowboys might be the one team that we've disagreed with the most throughout this season. Uh, you seem like you've always been higher on them than me. Uh, but this, this again, feels like a bad matchup for their offense going up against the Buccaneers defense. Uh, and again, you never want to face Brady in the playoffs. The t- kind of Tampa Bay strategy seemingly has been, let's keep it close in the fourth quarter and then let Brady go off in the fourth quarter. And even 10 points is close enough for that. So there's the concern there. Uh, a lot of concerns for Dallas. That being said, they're still the favorite in this one. I am not picking the Dallas Cowboys to win. How could I? Picking the Buccaneers to win this game. Still just putting one point on it. Uh, I have 18-13 Tampa Bay. Yeah. <sighs> I am going to end up taking the Buccaneers in this one as well. All right. I think it's going to be close, but I'm just too concerned with Dallas right now and their stuff. One of the big narratives I think is going to be interesting in this game. So we know who Todd Bowles is. We know what Todd Bowles likes to do in defense, right? We mm-hmm. know he likes to send the house. We know he likes to cover uh, cover deep with his corners. He's going to ask a lot of those guys. That being said, Dak Prescott this season, 21 touchdowns versus the Blitz. Okay. That's the most in the NFL. The other thing, though, is we have seen Tampa Bay's defense and what Todd Bowles has done the last few years in the playoffs – alter their structure a little bit in the postseason. They blitz a lot less. They play more in coverage. They play a lot more safe in the playoffs and try and help their offense out a little bit more. They've done that the last two years when Arians was in charge. Bowles was a defensive coordinator. Are they going to stick with that with Bowles in charge, I think is the big question, because I do think they need to drop a little more in coverage in this one because I think they're going to be able to overwhelm this Bucks or this Cowboys receiving core. So give me the Bucks in this one. I'm going to go 21-14. to 14. And wow, and you have them scoring over 20, too. Three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Let's make it happen. Okay. Well, yeah, three touchdowns. I, I, w- I was wondering if for a second maybe it was like seven field goals. That's a possibility, that, too. That might be more likely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can get to 21. It's, yeah. still, it's Brady in the postseason. Let's do it. Well, listen, I don't even pay attention. I, I have them scoring 18. I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> You've got some interesting score lines here. I got to say, you got 18 in this one. Did you have the Jaguars scoring 25? I mean, well, you got some the, interesting scoregami going on right now. I do. Well, the way I do it is when I do my uh, video uh, things is I just do how many points per drive are they going to score? And then I just pick like, a, okay, this game feels like a 11 drive game. And so then I, you know, do it. But then that obviously creates weird scores. Yeah, fair. You need a pace metric is what you need. Try and guess. My, my thing is like, you know, I feel like the Buccaneers will score close to 18 points. Uh, they're not going to be probably score exactly 18, but uh, I don't know. I don't want to put put it down to 17 and then they score 20. Now I look like a fool who couldn't even get it within two. <laughs> I guess so. Fair enough, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is our uh, you know preview of that game. We have four more left. Um uh, let's just go with the. We talked about the three games that we are talking about as close games. We're gonna start off with those, but I still think there's intrigue in the other three games. So uh, don't don't turn that dial after we get done with this one. But uh, Giants Vikings, the fraud bowl in the playoffs. I'm excited. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like this is the most frustrating game to pick, without a <laughs> doubt. I have no idea where I'm going with it. And we're about to pick it here in like ten minutes. Um, these two teams have been confusing, frustrating. Um, stupefying uh was that on your word of the day calendar yeah i mean no it wasn't on my word of the day calendar Mm -hmm. but i'm just trying to think what other adjectives can i use for these two teams they're just so perplexing such perplexing football teams i think 
New York is incredibly well coached. I think they're talent deficient, but I think they have a real identity to them, and I think that basically carries them a long way. I think they know exactly who they want to be, how exactly to win football games. And you know what? Despite some of the talent deficiencies that I think they have, especially in the offensive side of the ball, they got really good athletes, especially at quarterback and running back that I think go a long way. Minnesota, on the other hand, is very talented on one side of the ball and not very talented on the other side of the ball. And I'm not really sure the coach really cares about that other side of the ball sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very frustrating team to try and pick. They have basically, I mean, they basically TCU'd their way through this entire season to a 13-4 and record. I mean, every one of their games except for the last game of the season was seemingly close all the way down to the wire. It's a very confusing team. And you just think eventually this is going to, you know, this shit's going to catch up to them, right? Uh, maybe, but, but the issue is, would that be this week uh, is the, I think the question I, I've always kind of been a little bit of a Vikings defender. I think, I still don't think that they are on the level of San Francisco and Philadelphia, but I still, I, I like them. There's things I like about this team. Uh, you know, I, I like their I like the receiving core, I guess. I like the receiving core and think Kirk Cousins is all right. Uh, that's what I like. Yeah, And their tackle everybody... is one healthy, although O'Neal's now injured. Yeah. I think that's what everybody likes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what everyone's kind of interested in. Although I think, you know, I think Thielen still can, like, catch everything. But mm-hmm. he can't really get separation anymore. But, like, even besides that, like, I think Osborne's a solid three. Yeah. I think uh, Hawkinson's a nice tight end, obviously. I think that was actually a pretty good pickup for them. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody likes all of those same things about Minnesota. It's just everything else is kind of frustrating. Yeah. What was interesting was the, uh, you know, the last time these team teams played, it was Julian Love and TJ Hawkinson going at it one-on-one for most, a good chunk of the game. Again, Giants do everything, right? They don't just run one coverage. They, they're the kind of team that, play, you know, every single play in the playbook, they seemingly run every single game. But uh, we saw a good chunk of that, and both guys performed well. Uh, when they were against each other, it was a very good, good on good a lot of times during that. So that's another interesting matchup to look for to look towards. And the Vikings run attack, running attack was effective in this one. They got a lot of stuff through play action in the first matchup. And I'm wondering if that'll continue because, again, you can just also have Justin Jefferson do his thing and try to get open that way. But uh, I think the Giants are actually OK if you're trying to do that, because then they can sort of scheme up you know, ways to get after your quarterback and all that good stuff. So, you know, I think for the Vikings, I think they're going to want to stick up the running game in this one, at least a little. Yeah. Uh, I think they are going to want to as well, especially, you know, the Giants aren't a very good run defense. But Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that we have to be a little bit concerned about when it comes to this Vikings team, and you mentioned it a little bit, is the health of this offensive line with O'Neal out. I mean, it's... Unless Bradbury is ready, it might be their third center, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's not a good situation to go into the playoffs with. Yeah, not ideal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Dexter, Dexter Lawrence is also a, uh, you know, pretty good nose tackle. <laughs> right. That's yeah. not something you want your third string center to go against. So I think that's a bit of a problem. We'll see if Bradbury can go. I mean, he hasn't played in five weeks, too. So it's not like it's something that's easily going to be able to come back from. Um, we'll see how that looks. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings – could establish the run in this game, play, play action. That's probably where Cousins is most comfortable anyway. He likes to take those shots downfield, you know, let Jefferson make big plays in those situations. My question is, can they get enough against this Giants defense? 
Right. Well, and, and the flip side, too, is I think the Giants should be able to score in this one. Uh, I think it's pretty much throw the ball away from Patrick Peterson, uh, who, you know, had a great start to the season and is still playing well for the Vikings. But you kind of just stay away from him, uh, attack the other secondary guys, and you should be all right to put up some points in this one. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. It, it should be. But at the same time, like attacking corners isn't really the issue for New York. It's just, you know. That the teams are going to be selling out against the run basically in this playoffs, right? Like I think they've mm-hmm. already seen it the last few weeks of the season. But do you ever see do you ever see a situation where there's not at least seven Vikings in the box defensively against this Giants offense? Well, but that's not really what the Giants what the Vikings love to do, right? They like to play their two safety deep coverage. That's kind of the the unique thing here. But you have to, right? Like there's it would be inexcusable if Saquon Barkley has like 150 yards in this game and you lose. I guess so. I, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if they adjust because I think that's one of the things with this, uh, you know, as teams adopt this Fangio defense, they don't like to adjust away from it. That's right. been a big thing with this with a lot of these defenses. Mm-hmm. But this is not a conventional offense by any means. I mean, Richie James is the best receiver, who I kind of like, but he's probably a third receiver at the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if that's the situation you're going into, this is the absolutely the reason you have to adjust. Well, I don't disagree. Uh, I I just, I just don't know that it will. I just don't know that they're going to do that. Yeah, that's that'll be an interesting thing because I think it'd be I think it'd be insane if you just drop everyone in coverage and let Daniel Jones and Saquon get five free yards of carry. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm not saying like they're not going to do it at all. I'm just saying I think that they'll do, they'll still want to play their two safety deep coverages. And I also have to say, I think if this team is playing quarters and it's Richie James uh, out there. I think he'll still find ways to get open. Uh, I think I don't think that this Vikings team, you know, uh, the, the the gaps in coverage are wide. Yeah, yeah. This has been a big problem for them all season. It's a, um, you know, it's not a uh, awesome coverage unit by any means. And I think we've talked about this before. Football, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is a weak link sport. Mm-hmm. There are good players on this Vikings secondary. There's not enough good players, and if there's guys right. to target, you can find ways to get guys open and scheme them into situations, into space against mismatches. Yeah, so I think both teams will score, but uh, you know, I, I have the Vikings, I have the Giants scoring 22, and I have the Vikings scoring 23. I think this is the close one. I could see it going either way. To me, this is the clo- game I am uh, most on defense about, as you can tell by only having a one point. A victory for the Minnesota Vikings, but I do have the Vikings pulling off this victory. We were so excited to bet, get, bet against both these teams. Everybody was. Uh, Everyone mm-hmm. was ready to bet against both these teams. Um, give, give me the Giants 27-24. Oh. One point. Give me the Giants to win this game. I don't trust this Minnesota team uh, any further than I can throw them, the whole team, um, which is not very far, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I just I don't love the spot for the Vikings here, and I think that this isn't a very good football team. So I will take the Giants to win. I'm trying to figure out how, practically how throwing them would work. Are they all on like a a sling or something? Yeah, I would have to get some sort of like slingshot. Definitely. Yeah, or, or p- perhaps like they all stand on. It's like a giant like wooden spoon, and they're all on like the spoon thing, and then you grab kind of the end part. That's a big spoon. I don't know. But then, you know, like you throw it over your, and that's how you throw them. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure either of those is going to work for me. I think I, you know, maybe I could like catch them in a net and then try and hurl the net. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, I, I can see that. Yeah, and what if you actually could throw them really far? Found out you had like a superpower, but your superpower is you can throw NFL teams really far. Um, then I would probably quit my job and do it as like a halftime show act. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be a good. It'll be dangerous, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure how many teams would sign on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I'd watch it though. Yeah, I'm sure everybody will. If I could throw 53 human beings, that'd be a uh, that would be uh, incredible. I would watch myself do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that'd be that'd be great. Uh, so Kyle will work on that. Uh, in the meantime, let's move on to another game. Kyle, I'm gonna talk Ravens Bengals because I think there's a bit of upset potential here. Now Lamar will almost certainly not be playing. I don't think it's been officially announced, but he's not practicing. So seems like this is Tyler Huntley time in Baltimore or in Cincinnati for Baltimore, which is unfortunate. It sucks that this Lamar injury went on as long as it did. I thought he was going to be okay uh, because this would have been a really exciting game. I still think there's uh, some hope here for Baltimore. You know, they did beat Cincinnati earlier on this year. They got him early in the year. They didn't look very competitive until the end of the game last week. And I think Cincinnati just kind of started cruising again, but they weren't even playing their backups at that point. Yeah, I mean, they they do that at times, too. They just cruise in general, which is fine if you're good and you win. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a chance for that if you're looking at betting lines. Um, I don't know. I the, the vibes in Baltimore are rough, right? Like, it sure. doesn't seem like the quarterback's play. It doesn't seem like anyone has really any idea what's going on. And, I mean, we keep bringing up this contract stuff, and I don't know. I don't. I think he's really hurt. I don't think this is a contract mm-hmm. ploy. I don't see the value, contract or not, to miss playoff games just because. Right. But the vibes definitely are off with this team right now. And I mean, I thought the I thought the Roquan extension was really weirdly timed too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and not to mention, you made him the highest paid linebacker in NFL history. I didn't love that too much. But right. Regardless, besides the point, that's a different conversation. I don't know. I, I think this Tentley stuff's kind of flamed out. They don't have pass catchers. I mean, the one thing that happens here, and it's your favorite thing to talk about, is if Zach Taylor goes fact, full Zach Taylor and actually tries to run the ball on what's probably the best part of this Ravens team right now, which is their run defense. Yeah, there's a concern. There's also a concern. Will the Ravens, uh, you know, will they pl- will they try to leave Marlon Humphrey on uh, Jamar Chase one on one a lot? Uh, you know, you know, I think they've learned their lesson for the most part. I don't think they're they're that team anymore. I think the Ravens are the kind of team where sort of you know, fool me three times is shame on me. But fool, you know, then they figure it out kind of thing. Uh, I don't, don't think that they'll they'll be in that situation too much. I'm sure there will be some opportunities, and what will happen there that's could be where to you know. Could potentially be where the game is won or lost. Uh, you know, I I do think that the Ravens' defense stands a chance at slowing down this Bengals' offense, which is an offense that is not easy to slow down because they do have the you know we talk about games being won on the outside. This is one of the few teams that actually matched up okay against uh, Cincinnati. Well, here's my thing: is this the best team defensively to match up with this Bengals' offense in the AFC right now? Interesting. Um, probably. Yeah, I would say so. And again, the issue is sometimes they get too excited, right? And then they they play their they'll go at cover zero, uh, and then they'll get burned down the field. But I think personnel wise, I would say probably yes. Yeah, I think the problem is is like I think it, they haven't graded out particularly well. 
And I think sure. that's a bit of a problem. Like mm-hmm. we keep saying, okay, these are nice players on the outside. Well, could they start playing nice? Like mm-hmm. that's you fair. Know? Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's one of the questions I have is like, can these? I think you know we've had this with a few teams this year. Um, you know, I would like to see these guys start getting stops. I think they can. I think they have the talent to, but I do think you know there's going to be questions on, and especially like in the situation. Okay, if you if you all of a sudden start needing to put two guys on Jumar Chase, which is what most teams should do, and I think they will do. Are you taking Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey out of the equation trying to match Jamar Chase? Because then they're just going to go at everybody else. With T. Well, you kind of avoid all that stuff. I mean, I, you probably wouldn't do your, you know, your best two secondary players if you're going to double uh, chase. I, I think you could, you could figure out something out. Maybe, you know, uh, you could put Peters on him, for example, and which, uh, you know, maybe might not be the best matchup because Peters isn't the fastest. But uh, I think there's things you could do. Uh, and then, you know, if if I, I would actually probably trust Humphrey to cover T. Higgins one on one consistently. I, th- I think I would like that matchup. Yeah. There's potential. I don't. I don't love the Peters on um, chasing, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. It'll be. Yeah. It'll. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that matches up. But I just. I mean, even if they, even if they do scheme well, we haven't seen this group play as well as we wanted to, and I think that's a bit of a concern. And I don't know. Like I just. I at this point, I don't know if anyone can stop this Bengals offense consistently enough. I think this is the best offense in football right now, just because of the the depth and variety of playmakers they have on the group uh, running back at receiver uh, tight end. I just think it's a really tough group to stop. And I don't trust any of these AFC defenses right now to get stops against the Cincinnati team. You know, another thing that's, I, I think, I think the tougher thing for this, you know, the Ravens team at times has definitely given up stuff through the uh, air. Although you look at like the, you know, the PFF grades, like Peters is still graded well. Humphrey still graded well. Kyle Hamilton's graded incredibly well. They have had good safety play throughout. Uh, well, their secondary corners outside of Humphrey and Peters have been kind of an issue. Uh, so maybe it could be a Tyler Boyd game in this one. I think one of the things that jumps out at you is this pass rushing situation for the Ravens. We talk about how many sacks Burrow takes, and if you can get to him, that can be a real way to, you know, to uh, hurt this Bengals offense. And, you know, it's really been kind of, uh, you know, Justin Houston on his own, which is not a great situation. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul came in midway through the season. No one else is giving him an offer. And he's played like significant playing time uh, for the for the Ravens. This has not been an effective pass rushing situation for Baltimore. Uh, and, and because of that, that's really concerning. Yeah. And that was something that was kind of like, uh, you know, the Ravens not being able to rush the passers kind of a surprising thing isn't it and a lot mm-hmm. of it is i mean the guys they drafted haven't really been the guys we were expecting too right like a lot of these guys haven't quite been to the expectations we were hoping for i think overall um it's going to be interesting to see how how this plays out but yeah i mean they're going to have to get some pressure i just don't know if there's enough guys on this defensive line getting campbell out there's going to help but i just don't know i don't know i i think you I just don't see it this week. I really don't. I think there's just too much not going in the Ravens' favor here. And I think it's going to be really hard to try and counteract that on this defensive side of the ball. This defense has to play its best game of the season to win this game, correct? Uh, well, I mean, uh, they played, you know, they, they held them to 17 earlier on this season. Yeah, they did. Uh, what week was that? Hold on, I'm trying to remember now. Let's go uh, back to it. 
I don't remember either. And, and it's possible, I think they yeah. might have had an injury. Uh, I think the the Bengals might have had an injury in that game. I don't remember. Let's take a look. Um, looks like T. Higgins wasn't playing. Okay, so. that, that might be right. Yeah, which again, obviously is a, is a big help. But and still, uh, you know, I'm saying I think it's possible. Uh, you know, to spoil that side, I still have the Bengals scoring 26. I think the Bengals will have a good offense today. I just don't know if it'll be the offensive explosion. Uh, and and maybe there's potential for a little bit lower. But, you know, can the Ravens score points in this game is a question. Tyler Huntley is, no one's going to call him a superstar, right? Uh, That's just not who he is. And, you know, the Ravens have at times struggled to score with him out there. Is this a game, though, where they can potentially run the ball effectively and find ways to put up points that way uh, and, and be able to, again, Maybe they only give up 17 because this is an eight-possession game, and then they can score, you know, 21 and win the game that way. That feels like the blueprint for me for Baltimore, which I don't think it's a crazy blueprint. It's not a crazy, crazy, crazy blueprint. I don't know why I'm struggling to say that, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it is going to have to be a control the possession scenario, control the clock scenario. I think to have success against the Cincinnati team, the big thing for Cincinnati is like. I just think it's a better def- better defense. I mean, it's obvious reasons, but it's a significantly better defense when DJ Reader plays. And I thought, you know, when they got hurt in the run game, Reader was out. out. You know, he, he missed six games this season. So when he's in there and when he's locked in, I just think it's a really tough group to run on. I think they have a really nice defensive line. I think they got guys they can rotate in and out to. I like Hendrickson, obviously. I like Hubbard. There's a lot of nice pieces there. I think it's going to be tough to try and beat that defensive line. I think that's a really good group. And it's also going to be tough to throw on them because this Ravens team is passing deficient without Lamar out there, without some of their pass catchers out there. And this this Bengals defense, I think, surprisingly, when uh, Awuzie went down for the season, has held up. It's still a top 10 defense in the pass game. Yeah, I, I think there's actually some concerns with this Bengals secondary, but it hasn't shown them yet, right? Like, I I, I want to see more. I think it's concerned. I don't think it'll happen in this game, though. I think the Ravens yeah. should have uh, – the Ravens will not be able to uh, throw the ball too much. The way the Ravens score points, which I think they will be able to score some points in this game, it's going to be through the ground. It's going to be, uh, you know, that way, and then scheming stuff up because of that. And then I think that, you know – I'm interested in seeing how uh, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard will not just rest the passer, but uh, just contain Huntley, not let him move. Because sometimes that's how you beat Huntley is almost by letting him try and run and then being able to get the big plays that way by sacking him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the key. If they get too over overexcited, get after him in the backfield, I think they get beat a little bit. And, you know, the, the back-to-back week thing's a little bit weird too, right? Like, I mean... I know the narrative stuff of like can you beat a team twice is always kind of a little premature, a little ridiculous sometimes. But playing a team back to back weeks, especially, you know, I think there's a lot of emotion from that Cincinnati side when they, you know, I think a lot of people in Cincinnati were pretty upset with the coin toss stuff. And now they're in a situation where they went up, they, you know, they went out early and tried to beat the crap out of them in that game. And now they got to go and do it again. I don't think that's necessarily an easy thing mentally to do twice. Right. And while the Ravens were, you know, saying, hey, go, you you guys go play. We'll put in our backups. Uh, they got now a, a week of tape as well. And, and not just tape, but live, get to watch live reps against that team. You have to figure that favors Baltimore a little. I think so. Do you take anything away from that game stylistically? Or do you think Ravens were like, we're not going to show them anything? Not really. No, I, I didn't take it. I mean, there's probably some small... Um, 
little nuggets you can pick up through watching it, but nothing major. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think the matchup's still kind of interesting. Rivalry matchup, obviously. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the added element of having to play a team bound-to-back weeks is not always a fun scenario for teams. Yeah. So I have the Bengals winning 26-20. to 20. Uh, I think that this is a, an interesting matchup, but I do think that the Bengals ultimately uh, pull off a victory. Kyle, who do you have uh, winning this? How many points he got on that? Oh, right. Uh, one point. I have... Uh, Two points. Okay. I got Bengals 31, Ravens 13. You're saying really no chance. Yeah. Not no just, chance, but it's any given Sunday, but like uh, you don't see it happening. Yeah, I can never say never, but at the same time, like I just don't see how the Ravens throw the ball here. Like mm-hmm. I think it's going to have to take like a significant Andrews game in an unbelievable defensive game that they haven't played all season. So yeah. give me the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I get it. Um, all right. Two games left. Let's go Seahawks 49ers. I suppose as both of these teams will be putting in the quarterback they want to put in. Well, kind of, I mean, um, both of these teams might still be playing their best quarterback, even though if Niners are under third, how crazy is it that, you know, we talk about all these backup quarterbacks. There's actually three teams of backup quarterbacks in, but one of them is still just winning uh, with Brock Purdy. Uh, they haven't missed a beat. Purdy's 5-0. and uh, the, the 49ers offense uh, has historically been able to scheme up stuff pretty well against Pete Carroll, who, listen, uh, he loves to tell people at this point, doesn't just play cover three zone. Still plays a lot of cover three zone, though. It's not just that it. it is fair. They play more man now. They do all this. Stuff. Still play a lot of cover three zone. Kyle Shanahan destroys cover three zone historically. There's so many weapons for this 49ers offense. It's hard to imagine Seattle being able to do too much defensively. It's hard, especially, you know. So we, we got a little taste of Seattle against Brock Purdy. And mm-hmm. while the scoreline of that game was close, the game script says otherwise, right? Like, mm-hmm. Like it just didn't seem like San Francisco didn't really finish drives there. They had over a yard and a half more per play in that game. They were pretty turnover free in that one. They ran the ball well. McCaffrey had a big game. Brock Purdy had a pretty good game. Like it 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 was pretty heavily skewed towards San Francisco in that game more than people think. And it's gonna be interesting to see how they counter to that because yeah, I mean this is this is a bread and butter San Francisco matchup, isn't it? I think so. Um, the one thing that maybe could be a concern, though, is you know there was a play in that one where Purdy threw it uh, directly to Quandre Diggs, and Diggs just dropped it. Uh, to me, that might be the one thing you have to make sure you do if you're Seattle. Is feels like every game Purdy gives you like one perfect opportunity. He throws, gives you one gift a game. You have to take advantage of it, right? He's not some quarterback who's doing making these terrible throws constantly, but it feels like he'll give you one. You have to take advantage. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to capitalize on, and it's a rookie. In his first playoff game, which, you know, he's defied all expectations at this point. I still don't think that's an easy situation to step into. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that matches up. I'm excited to see Christian McCaffrey, though. Is it? I mean, I'm trying to think. This is McCaffrey's first playoff game, isn't it? Yeah, I would assume so. Uh, I, 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 it's possible he made one with Carolina. Yeah, someone can fact check me on that one. I'm not, you know, married to that take. But, mm-hmm. um, you know. It, it, I'm excited to see him in this one because I think he's been the huge benefit. You know, all the talk has been on Brock Purdy and what he's done this season. Rightfully so. I think he's been terrific as the quarterback since he stepped in. Difficult situation, third string quarterback, rookie year. 
for a contending team, and he's just hit the ground running. McCaffrey, in 11 games this season, has almost five yards to carry. He also has 465 yards passing. He's got 10 total touchdowns. Everything that they traded for, everything that we were hoping for out of this offense with Christian McCaffrey added to it, it's been that and then some. It's a, it's worked out to you know in tenfold. The trade was a huge win for San Francisco at this point. I mean, he's been a huge part of this offense. And you know, I don't put a lot of value in the running back position, but when it's Christian McCaffrey, I do. Right. I think we've always kind of said, uh, like you know, running backs tend to not matter too much unless you get a guy like McCaffrey uh, or just an elite guy in general. He McCaffrey uh, has played in a playoff game. He played against the Saints in a wild card round. Uh, that was a game where he only had. Uh, he had six rushing, six, six rushes for 16 yards, but he also had 100 yards receiving in that game. Uh, if I remember correctly, he had uh, like a really long rush uh, receiving touchdown. Uh, that was a good game, a 31-26 Saints victory. I remember that was kind of back and forth. Uh, but yeah, uh, I agree. He's meant a lot to this team, and there's so many weapons on this 49ers team. I feel like it doesn't get talked about a lot. Like with you know uh, Ayuk, uh, you have uh, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle, and then obviously McCaffrey. Like, there's just McCaffrey, Kyle Yushek had a big play in that one. You know, Kyle Shanahan is, has saved like 14 Kyle Yushek plays for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, the juice is definitely going to get loose at some point in this game. I will mm. say the one thing, too, with McCaffrey, one more point on this. You know, th there's a ton of stars on the San Francisco defense. It is really, and especially when you add in Kyle Shanahan's play calling, which I think we can, you know, I think there was a good debate about it, you know, most years. Kyle Shanahan's the best play caller in the league. Bar mm -hmm. none. I think at least offensive. Yeah, he is bar none been fantastic this season. He's hit all the right buttons, especially since Purdy's come in. Everything has looked fantastic. I will say, too, one more thing on this McCaffrey point. Not only has it been good this season, they've kept him pretty well rested, which I think is a big thing. He has had one game this entire stint with the 49ers where he had over 20 carries. Can you guess which one that was? Um, Which one? The game against Seattle. He had 26 carries okay. in that. Run. Gotcha. You mm -hmm. know, so that's basically he had seven more carries in his next highest game with San Francisco. Um, and I mean, the the reason for that is quite obvious. You know, I think one of the things we talked about the Seahawks defense, I think they've gotten a little bit better through the air this season. I think they've added some pieces that I think have been pretty nice. Their run defense, which has normally been pretty rock solid, not very good this season. It hasn't been good. Throughout the year, it's gotten worse, it seems like, at times. And I think they identified that matchup as Christian McCaffrey can run wild against his team. And this is a huge matchup nightmare, I feel like, for them trying to mark him. Yeah. On the other side, uh, we haven't talked about too much. Uh, Seattle's really struggled to score points against uh, San Francisco this season. Everyone has. Uh, San Francisco has the best points per drive defense in football to give up just 1.48 points per drive on the year. Uh, Seattle had uh, is averaging 0 0.65 points per drive against uh, San Francisco in their two matchups. They scored zero points in the first matchup. Their only touchdown came on a special teams play and then 13 points in the 11 drives the second time they played. They've really struggled to score uh, in this one. It makes sense, right? Because you have DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett are kind of like, that's what they do. Those are their guys. But with all the, you know, the Vic Fangio style defense with that San Francisco runs, uh, you know, every time those guys really go anywhere there's a crowd of niners around them and there's you know 
not a lot you can do about that. Uh, one thing I saw them do was they uh, isolated. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember who the wide receiver uh, was, but they isolated uh, a different wide receiver, sort of one of these other guys to, you know, on, he was the one eligible receiver on the other side of the field. All four were on uh, the offense's right and kind of were able to get a one-on-one -on -one matchup that way down the field. feels like that's what you're going to have to do. But then you're talking about, I don't know, you know, some of these not great receivers are going to have to step it up for Seattle to really move the ball down the field. And I don't know how confident I feel in that. Yeah, I mean, since they got on this win streak, there just hasn't been a lot of yards to gain against this team, really. And, I mean, the, the question is, what are they prone to getting beat by? Because it's really hard to kind of try and think of a way to scheme against the San Francisco team. Like you said, isolate a guy one-on-one. -on -one. I will say, like, if you look at the teams that have beat San Francisco this season, a lot of it has to do with big receivers. Like, you know, it hasn't really been steady. Like, if you look at just the small sample stuff, Juju Smith-Schuster, seven catches, 124 yards, touchdown. He had a couple big plays in that game, too. Uh, you know, that feels like forever ago. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 153 yards, two scores. We know who he is. Darren Waller also had 72 yards and a touchdown, a couple big catches in that one as well. And then the last one, too, is um, trying to find my notes here. Terry McLaurin had a pretty nice game against him, too. He had four catches, 77 yards, and a score in that one. This of feels course, like you Don't forget about Alameda Zacchaeus of the Falcons. Yes, of mm -hmm. course. How can I forget mm -hmm. about that? Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, I just, I look at it and it's like, this has to be a big Metcalf spot, right? Like, that's probably the guy you're looking at when you look at the player archetype that has kind of gotten San Francisco a little bit this season. I mean, it's Metcalf basically in a nutshell, right? Yeah, but you're going to be throwing, if you're throwing to him a lot, you're throwing to him uh, with a couple San Francisco players around him a lot. That's what I mean. He's not going to get, he's not going to get one-on-ones very frequently, if at all, in this one. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I mean, even like, like we said that, but at the same time, I think you look at those two situations, the San Francisco or the uh, the Las Vegas game, and I think you look at the Kansas City game because those are the two teams that really kind of got I, – I don't even – I'm discounting that Atlanta game. That feels like an anomaly at this point. Uh -huh, sure. if, you look at, if you look at that Kansas City game and you look at the Las Vegas game, okay, how did those guys get open so much? One of them was Jared Stidham. I think they <laughs> mm -hmm. were basically daring Jared Stidham to throw the ball downfield. And to Jared mm -hmm. Stidham's credit – he had he played that game with a big set of balls and he threw the ball downfield a lot. Yeah. He was ready to attack those guys. It felt like the Mahomes situation. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but a lot of that has to do with his ability to buy time. And he's almost he's probably the most unsackable quarterback in the league. Can Geno buy enough time to make those plays? I think one of the things that's kind of I, I don't love Geno Smith when he's buying himself time. I like Geno Smith on game script. I don't love Geno Smith when he's running around. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an okay uh, running around too much. Although one thing I have to say that we haven't talked about at all at all uh, is the idea of Charles Cross blocking Nick Bosa uh, terrifies me. You don't love that matchup? No, not a great matchup. Maybe in three or four years where we get the best version of Charles Cross. But sure, definitely not mm -hmm. right now. Um, right. Yeah, that's the thing. They they have played. They have played for better or worse. They have put those kids on the outside and said, good luck, kids. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is the team you love that matchup with. No, and they didn't run the ball effectively the first time these two teams played either. I'm expecting a blowout, to be honest. I, I hope Seattle can make it interesting because uh, obviously I want to watch interesting games. I have 49ers 29, Seahawks 11, um, uh, and I'm putting three points on it for San Francisco. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to do one point in this game. Okay. Um, just a little worried. Like, I, I still think, like, despite how bad it got, you know, they got off to a crazy start. They dipped a little bit. Looked like they fell back down to earth. They still have scored points at times this season. And I'm not going to discount the idea of Lockett, Smith, and Metcalf kind of, and, you know, a healthy Kenneth Walker, which he didn't have a very good game the first time. I still think he's a slippery kind of running back who's tough to tackle. You know, San Francisco is the team that's kind of built to stop any running game. But I'm not going to discount the playmakers that Seattle has and says, can they hit a few big plays? Can they make some things happen? I will say San Francisco 24-14. Sure. And again, there is the could... I think we've all been waiting for, could Brock Purdy uh, have one of those, you know, oh, he is a, a you know, nearly undrafted rookie. I think we have said that one. every Wednesday. Yeah. We have said, could this be the game Brock Purdy falls apart? And he still but it, but it's still apart. a fair question, though. I, yeah. We've still only seen him five games. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's still a fair question. Yeah. So I think it's, it, I, th- I do think it's fair. I think, I do think it's in the realm of possibility. But yeah, I got one point on that game. Um, I do think the 49ers are a significant better team. I do want to see them in this playoff scenario situation, though. Like, can, you know, this team has been a buzzsaw. Can can it keep up? Can some of these guys who were a little bit, you know, inexperienced, can they make it happen? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, final game we have to talk about, Dolphins-Bills, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, I think earlier I was going to say, speaking of quarterbacks falling apart, but I feel too tight, too, uh, you know, Falcon Squire Thompson had a rough day at the office for the Dolphins. I don't know if it'll be him or Bridgewater. Tua has been ruled out, but either way, you do not have your starting quarterback here. If it's Skyro Thompson, this feels like it could be a complete route. Maybe there's some more hope if you have Bridgewater out there, but still not a lot. Uh, we'll preview the game to kind of talk about what the, the possibilities are for the Dolphins. Because hey, it's still football. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. Um Although, you know, would take a lot here for let's first take what talk about the Dolphins offense. Can the Dolphins offense uh, score in this one? The one thing I have to say is both times these two teams played previously, Jalen Waddle went off. So it feels like maybe using the speed of these Dolphins receivers, especially if you get one on uh, Travis White, maybe doesn't have his full legs back just yet. Getting a couple big splash plays might be what you need. Yeah. To answer the question, can the Dolphins score? In mm-hmm. theory, yes. Uh huh. They've done, you know, I know they only had 21 in that first game, but that was also in like ungodly heat. And right. I think they still had over 10 yards of play or something like that, right? 10 yards pass. They they still had a pretty decent game in that one offensively. Uh, in theory, they should. The problem is obviously the quarterback situation where we are looking at. Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater coming off an injury, which, I mean, when Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played, it hasn't been that good either. I know we were kind of thinking, is this guy like a fringe starter backup kind of thing? I think it's pretty fair to say that he's just a backup. That's exactly what he is. And mm-hmm. um, it hasn't looked that good this season. But I think in terms of the matchup, like if if this were a fully healthy Dolphins team, this game's compelling. Because I've done my rant the last couple of weeks, so I'm not going to do it again. Don't love this corner secondary situation for Buffalo. I don't think it's very good, but, and I think these Miami receivers are excellent. And I think it might hurt the Bills down the road, this secondary spot. And I think a healthy Dolphins team, it might hurt them. But if I don't trust who's throwing the ball as good as those receivers are, 
I can't pick it in good conscience. That's one of the things I'm looking at there. But I do think that's something that, you know, Bills are going to have to account for. And, you know, we'll see how it adjusts. Yeah, you have to think. And so, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is limited in practice. You have to think you got you got to throw him out there, right? I mean, listen, if it's if it's risking his future health, okay, don't. But like, uh, you know, if even if he's not a hundred percent, I just think you still have to throw him out there and say like, we've seen what Skyler Thompson can do. Bridgewater has at least shown flashes of being a competent quarterback in a Dolphins uniform. He's shown more than fl- he's been he's been a solid quarterback in different uniforms. Uh, I think that you have to. I, I think it's a no-brainer that I'm throwing him out there. I think he has a better chance of hitting those Jalen Waddle uh, deep shots if he's even 80%. Yeah. Who would you like more in this spot? Skylar Thompson right now <laughs> or signing Cam Newton? Like, be honest. <laughs> I think give me Skylar Thompson, I think, for sure. I don't know. Sky, signing anyone, I guess. Off the, you know, who's available, I guess, is the question. Um, this is this is a tough spot. I just Jake yeah, Cutler? I mean, uh, Jay Cutler, uh, what is it? Wouldn't be the first time. Re- but he was on a reality show. Um, that that checks know. out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just, I, it, you know, in in essence, yes, obviously, Skylar Thompson knows the playbook a little bit better and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's been a rough watch, man. I feel bad, you know, you know, dragging the kid, but now he's in the playoffs. He's got to perform. This uh-huh. is the spot he's stuck in. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But at the same time, like. The Dolphins are in a tough spot. We'll see how this matches up. The other thing, too, is it's not the only injury that they've had. Like, if you look through the, mm-hmm. if you go through the injury report, um, you know, Teron Armstead did not practice. Bradley Chubb paid a lot of money for him, did not practice. Liam Eikenberg didn't pla- practice. Raheem Mostert didn't practice. Um, and Mostert's actually been pretty good, even with, you know, whoever's at quarterback, he's been pretty good. So it's a, um, you know, it if they're down all of these guys, there's no chance. I think it's a really tough situation. I think if Bridgewater is even possible of playing, he has to get in there. Yeah. The flip side is all you have to worry about is Josh Allen coming to town. Uh, or again, I, I keep saying, you know, being in town, I guess, going to Josh Allen's town uh, to try and stop him uh, and his, you know, big arm, which we've seen teams struggle with. Feels like you're going to get a lot of uh, these great Josh Allen throws in this game would be the assumption. Um, perhaps you can trick him into some turnovers. That's kind of always the the hope of Josh Allen. It really is kind of the, you know, you sort of just pray that he, he gives you some bad Josh Allen plays. But I don't know. I don't trust the Dolphins defense to do too much to slow him down. But we have seen it happen before. And that's just the what you hold out hope for for Miami is that you can get Teddy to come in. You can hit some of those Jalen Waddle deep shots. And then Josh Allen is not able to kill you as he killed your team on week 18 with some of those just like godly, uh, you know, 50 yard bombs. Yeah. Uh, maybe just let him into the red zone and then try and play defense. You know, don't let him. Yeah. Hit I like that. Yeah. I mean, good the idea. red zone mm-hmm. thing has been a little weird and you know what? That's the one thing like it hasn't been as good this season, but like, the best version of this Miami defense has been a turnover machine, right? And mm-hmm. Josh Allen, for everything that he's done really well this season, he is like, I don't think he's an MVP, you know, he's not a front runner for MVP, but he's still kind of an MVP candidate this year. You know, for everything that he's done well this season, he's a little turnover prone. He's prone to a mistake. He's prone to trying to fit a tight window and, you know, giving you a chance at the ball. Can Miami capitalize on some turnovers there? That's going to be interesting. But, 
I don't know. Like, this is another one where I go through some of the injury reports. You know, it's Bradley Chubb, like I said, in practice, Melvin Ingram. I think in essence, if I looked at like this, another one where it's like if I looked at this Dolphins defense fully healthy, like they kind of have the athletes in the front seven you want so that Allen's not just running around buying himself some time and waiting for a guy to get open, right? Like Ingram's a pretty good pass rusher. Jalen Phillips is excellent. I like Christian Wilkins in the middle. I like Chubb. I like, um, there's somebody else. Yeah. I like Chubb. And like, you think in essence, like that's a pretty good front line to like chase around Allen, get in the backfield. Don't let him buy too much time, but just none of these guys are healthy. And I don't know exactly what they're going to be able to do in that spot. Yeah, I, I get it. Also, I, I would say that uh, the flip side, though, is that you're kind of wasting them a little bit because Josh Allen's a great ability to run outside the pocket means that they can't really just rush the passer regularly. They also have to make sure they're in name and not giving up a running lane. Yeah, well, that's the big thing. If they get caught up field, then they're giving up a big play. Um, and they have to win their matches, basically. They have to get after them, and they have to – Bring him to the, down to the ground, which is, you know, winning your matchup on the line of scrimmage is the first task. The harder task for Buffalo is tackling Josh Allen at that point, which is not an easy task. Right. Um, I think it's going to be tough for Miami. I think there's potential, but I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, I have the Bills winning uh, 26 to 15. I'm also putting three points on the Bills. And Kyle, you're putting a lot of points on the Dolphins to pull off this upset. <laughs> I'm putting four points on the Buffalo Bills. I think there's too much to overcome. Too many injuries to this Dolphins team. They flamed out. You know, if it was the Dolphins team after week 11, week 12, I'd be like, all right, this is this is a fun playoff matchup. Mm-hmm. This Dolphins team, the way they finished the season, the way they kind of, you know, limped at the finish line, I don't see it. Give me the Bills. I will go 34-7. Wow. So, uh, domination. Yeah. I think there's too much. I think DeMar Hamlin's going to be at the stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, the emotion for Buffalo with that, the the talent that they have and the injuries with Miami, too much to overcome. It's funny. When I was watching tape uh, for my video on it, uh, there's a play where I forget which Dolphin receiver it was, but like uh, DeMar Hamlin was in a place where he could have like totally laid him out and just like chose to like lay off him and just like gave him a pat on the back. I was like, oh, that was nice. Yeah. Seems like a good dude. Yeah. Good, uh, good dude. Yeah, and it's good, good to see that he's, uh, you know, released from the hospital and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, should be interesting. Uh, Kyle, is it a bit of a bummer that we are kind of looking forward to next week a little bit, even though it's the playoffs already? Uh, yeah. we. If these are bad, and if you look at back at, like, so if these games are bad this week, and if you look back at last season where it was like Pittsburgh was in the playoffs, Nobody really wanted to see Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. one more time at that point. I don't think the seventh seed in the NFC was that much of a competition either. Like, right? I forget who it was, but I remember it was. Oh, it was. Um, it was the Eagles against the Buccaneers. That's right. And then you also had like Arizona getting blown out in that season too. Like, mm-hmm. we don't need seven teams. <laughs> I think that's one of the takeaways we've had. Mm-hmm. Sure, but I still prefer this. I, I always felt like la- I felt before the seventh teams, though, almost enti- the entirety of Wildcard Weekend felt like kind of a wash. It always felt like, well, the real win- Super Bowl winners always come from the one or two seeds. Yeah, outside of the Giants, but right. Of, and there's yeah. like the occasional fluke year. But it, it, we have, and we have been on like a, I don't know, eight year run where there hadn't been a three or higher seed make the Super Bowl. So I still think it works better this way. That's fair. And it gives real incentive to win the conference, win the, uh, you know, get the one seed. 
Yeah, yeah, and it makes it more interesting. And again, last week was way more exciting because we had a seven seed. Like last week would have wouldn't have been that interesting uh, if we only had the six seed. That's fair. You've talked me into it, but yes, it it does seem like it's a little bit of a lackluster week. Yeah, which is you know, listen, uh, if, if the worst case scenario is oh no, a couple of these six playoff games aren't going to be super interesting. I'm okay. I'm all right with that. And you know what? If it leads to you know, if Patrick Mahomes is playing Justin Herbert. And then on the other side, we have Joe Burrow against Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I can't complain that much. Like that's a pretty right. that's a pretty fun, uh, you know, second round. Yeah, and I also have to say too, it's like if the Packers won, and Lamar and Tua were both coming back this week, we'd be talking about this as like an amazing, ma- amazing uh, setup. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true too. So I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So that is uh, that, Kyle. That's our show. Yeah. One hour. Um, we didn't even have to talk about anything else. Look at us. Yeah, we still could if we wanted. Yeah. What'd you think of the coaching stuff? It was pretty quiet. Yeah, we. I. I, I, I mean, I guess I haven't seen all of it. I suppose. Uh, I got annoyed with there was just like, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm not sure if it was Rappaport or Schefter. Someone was just tweeting like so much, but these small details. Like, just tweet it out when something happens. I don't need to hear like these little small details because now I don't know what happened. Because uh, I got notification every five minutes about something different. Yeah. I mean, so there's a few vacancies. I mean, usually there's one, like, kind of shocking one. Mm-hmm. But there really isn't that this season. I guess the one thing would be this McVeigh story, which, I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like it's safe to assume he's not going to coach next season. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's at least we'll play it out as though that's probably what's going to happen. But, but who knows for sure. Um I don't know. Maybe he wants more money. Uh, could be, but but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's Kyle. Let him know. Can find us on Twitter before we head off. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to follow him at Jackson Kruger. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Gronin. and make sure to follow the account page at on the sideline JK. That's at on the sideline JK. That's of course if you like audio only podcast anywhere you get the audio only feed that should be available. Uh, it's on the sideline podcast is what you search. Uh, and we'll be back on Monday. It's going to be Monday uh, midnight Eastern as opposed to Sunday because there's a game on Monday and we want to get all cover all of them as I will be, you know, either very happy or very sad that the cow, you're going to get a lot of emotions uh, on our next podcast. Yeah. It's either Bucks are going to the Super Bowl or the seat football's canceled. Yeah. Football is stupid. What, why do we even do this? It's a dumb sport. It's basketball season. What do you mean? <laughs> And it sucks too, because like all all you know, year long, I've been like, okay, well, whatever, we'll get through the playoffs, but then we'll get blown out. I won't have my hopes up, and then if we win, great. Uh, there's no expectations, and now we're playing the stupid Cowboys, uh, who look so terrible. So now I have expectations again. Yeah, you're talking to yourself back into it. You won a few games completely, um, and then I'm like, okay, well, if we beat them, and maybe uh, could we get a scenario where what if I don't know, uh, if we, we it would have to be a scenario where I don't want to play the 49ers. I'm already saying like, oh, we can't play the 49ers as if like we could beat anyone else. So okay, maybe the Eagles that would be an opportunity. We beat them last year. Maybe you can get the Vikings to upset the 49ers. We could beat the Vikings easily in the NFC Championship game. I'm, I'm doing too much thinking, Kyle. Yeah, that is a. Uh... Lofty expectations for a team under 500, but <laughs> can you ever count out Tom Brady? That's Here's what I have to say, though, Kyle. Here's the one thing that's keeping me in it. Isn't it the most Tom Brady stat of all time to say, uh, it, hypothetically, if Tom Brady only had one losing season in his career and when that <laughs> happened, he won the Super Bowl? I mean, that would just be that would be perfect. And he keeps his even year streak going, you know? Right. 
Well, so, so is it a winning season if they if they go uh, you know at least go to the Super Bowl? Well, you can't count all those games. Uh, not really how it works, but I guess you know we'll we'll just ignore that fact. Okay, all right. So the the hope for the winning season still alive. I don't know. Should be a very fun game. Hey, three of these games should be legitimately great. That's our hope. That's definitely our hope. Or else it's going to be a very boring show Monday night. And, and again, is it that crazy to think that like Geno Smith could throw? Could you know like Purdy throws a pick six early on, and then all of a sudden that game's interesting? Like no, like that no. that'll happen in one of those three games. That it'll be at, at least it'll be closer than we realize. I do think one of the game one of the games that we expect to be close will be a blowout, and mm-hmm. one of the games we expect to be a blowout will be close. That's my prediction. Yeah. Uh, how long until uh, we get to our first controversy about a referee call? Think we make a game without it? No. No. Uh huh. Um, yes. Who's the first game again? It's Seattle, um, San Francisco, right? Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. I, I think about uh, four minutes into the first game. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> oh, it's clearly fixed. <laughs> yeah right exactly uh okay again thank you to everybody for listening we do appreciate it uh kyle any final thoughts before we head out looking forward to the playoffs let's make it happen um for your sake i hope you uh you you're able to pull off the win monday it'll thank be fun you. um mm-hmm. yeah looking forward to it yes it should be a great time okay thank you to everybody we do appreciate it and until next time see you later alligator peace